Hey friends, Josh again. This is part two of my conversation with Brad George. Brad's a court announcer, broadcaster, obsessive sports fan, and local to the Riverina and Upper Murray region. So if you didn't catch the first part of my interview with Brad, it's the episode right before this one. In that episode, we covered everything up until Brad's first professional broadcasting job, where he relocated to Wagga and Griffith and floated between those two locations until finding himself a full-time position in Griffith, New South Wales. In today's episode, we go on to discuss Griffith as a town, as an area, what goes on there, his experience in broadcasting in that region, and we also talk about NITV, which is truly fascinating, and I've gone and checked out since this interview, and it's one of the few things about AFL-style football that's actually held my attention in, I reckon, the better part of a decade. It's really good stuff, and Brad shares exactly what that is, so that's awesome. We also talk a little bit of bandits, because how can we not with the court announcer of the bandits? Okay, this is some good stuff, and let's do this thing. Let's just talk a little bit about Griffith because mm. just before we get in, we go into the studio, let's start with outside of the studio, that this will now be probably the most northerly town we've spoken about on the podcast mm. and I can't imagine we're going to go much more north than that. Yeah. What, what were your impressions of the town? Because I guess when you're doing regional radio, the expectation is that part of what you're going to do when you get there is ingratiate yourself into the community really quickly. That's what I was taught. I spent some time in Griffiths playing gigs and some of the most friendly and unfriendly people I think I've ever met in my life were the people I met playing gigs in that town Mm -hmm. and that's no reflection on what the town's like now. This is 10 years ago or more and for you it's probably longer. Yep. How did you find Griffith when you just, you obviously just moved? When I first got there, I fell in love with the place. It was an awesome place to be. There was community spirit. The birds are singing, sky's blue. I got a... I landed my first real gig in radio and it was all mine to do with it's like a shiny new car. I can drive this however I want. And to my detriment, in the end, that's where I lost the passion for it towards the end of being in Griffith was I didn't – I could drive the car however I want, but nobody taught me how to drive it properly. Uh, We can all get in and jump in a car and go. But to refine that art, it was, I was left to my own device. That's kind of where it – okay, so. Yeah. Because I've, I've always thought it's a very – just the vibe of the town. There's places that don't have a vibe, mm. but Griffith's one of the places where as soon as I got out of the car – if because You knew I, you were in Griffith, I, didn't you? I, well, I, I knew that I was somewhere that I hadn't mm. experienced quite that kind of night scene and that kind of vibe on the street – and it was neither good nor bad. I can't describe it to you. Would you agree they're a different kettle of fish in Griffith? Yes. Yeah. And From us here in Albury. Yeah. yeah. When I say unfriendly people, it's probably a little bit unkind. It was probably just there were some intimidating personalities and there was a lot of really loud personalities. Yeah. I mean, and I'll, to counteract that, there were some of the funniest people I ever yeah, met playing gigs. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful people over So it's just a melting pot of people you don't – more characters 
than you expect. To yeah. There's a bigger range of types of people than I expected there to be. Like I said, I fell in love with the place and it had a great vibe to it. Like you said, the word vibe is just spot on because there was so much happening. I got involved with local sport. But when I say I got involved with local sport, it was really clicky. It took me about four years yep. before I broke the ice and finally got involved with the Griffith Swans and local basketball over there, calling the games on the mic and firing up the crowds as I do here with the Bandits. And it did. It took me ages, four years. I'm telling you, four years easy before, oh, you're the bloke from the radio. And yeah. Do you think that I've heard other people in bands and people that are in bigger radio stations now that have done time in Griffith, do you think it's because a lot of people treat Griffith not like it's a worthwhile venture in and of itself? It's just a stop on the journey to somewhere else. So maybe that's the. It's hard to get embraced by the local community when they that's know that they one know of the things. They that, know your goal is to piss off somewhere else. Yeah, that was one of the. And like I said, Liam was only there ninety odd days, and but I tended to make it a home and make friends because of just my outgoing personality. I'll talk to anyone, but uh, Griffith, it's uh, you know you're somewhere there. When you when you arrive, it's just a different place, and they're very insular people over there. And insular, they love their family life, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, shops will shut as soon as they can to get home to family. Once again, not a bad thing. But if you're a single bloke or someone visiting the town, you go, well, why, where's everyone gone at midday on a Saturday? Everyone's okay. gone to do their family thing or play sport. Sport's a big thing over there. And to a point, they are fairly clicky in Griffith until they get to know you and trust you. Yeah, yeah. you're sort of so on your lonesome. Just when it comes to the content creation side, mm. even though I've heard people talk about Griffith like it's this tiny little town, it's not. It's, it's quite, not, it's, no. I mean, it would be, what, close to 30,000 people? 30,000 people, and then you've got the surrounding villages, like I said, Leeton, Lake Cajeligo, Darlington Point, Colliamberley. Yeah. The list goes on and on, so Narendra. I, I don't know how many people you can name off the top of your head, but none of us can name 30,000 people, so I don't really get that whole argument that mm. it's a little town, but I guess certain things about it maybe just felt small. Where if the town kind of was closing down early and if you weren't big into going out, there's a certain vibe. Of, like when I say vibe, I'm t- saying more so about the nightlife because mm-hmm. that was what I was what exposed you were to. With. Yep. And that could be pretty intimidating because it was a no-holds-barred kind of drink fest. Mm-hmm. For the lack of, I mean, I remember when we were there at the other place, they were having this whole nightclub filled with bubbles. It was called the White Party or something. That would have been the... Uh- the Gemini across the road, yeah. yeah. And we're thinking, okay, that stuff doesn't happen in Albury because they were just ready to party. But for you, I don't know whether you were or weren't going out all the time, but if stuff's closing down and they're very clicky and the sports teams are hard to get involved with, etc., mm. how are you generating daily content for a radio show when maybe there wasn't a, it wasn't like it was Melbourne where, okay, well, I can't get in with this, but there's 30,000 other things happening I can talk about. Yeah. I dig into myself. I, I, for ages there, I couldn't say nono and nono. <laughs> I couldn't. I just couldn't get it out. And I had a little Italian mate who'd come in and answer the phones after uh, before school. He was keen to get into radio. And we called him Gracie after Martin Malloy, the yeah. whole Gracie thing. <laughs> and because he was our producer, he'd knock stuff up for it. Oh, mate, I need you to go and record this off the net or, or whatever he could do, he'd do it for us. He was very keen to get into radio. But unfortunately, it didn't work out for him in the end. He went to, uh, he went up the snows, snow FM, Jindabyne, and just didn't. 
pan out. You know, get this, he's driving trucks. Okay. <laughs> and we'd used to have fun on air. We'd take the piss out of him. He'd take the piss out of me. Then we'd record some stuff. I ran naked along Wackerton Street. <laughs> And that what a, was what a, a, what a street name to do it, mate. Wackadackadon Street. I used to love saying Wackadon Street on the radio. Wackadon Street. Yep. You'd get it out. But um, and the whole run naked thing was I ran a dog called Naked wearing a t shirt. Hi, I'm Naked. <laughs> up Wackadon Street. And I said, Yeah, Friday night, I'm going to run naked up Wackadon Street if uh, Collingwood get done or whatever the premise was. Yep. And I ran naked up Wackadon Street. Naked was the name of the dog. And we ran up Wackadon Street. So was Griffith a big football town? Or did you have to change some of your references to oh, talk no, about it? No, it was. If Griffith is great like that. They've it's got a, bit a great of a multi sport powerhouse. I mentioned it? I've worked in footy stores and things like that, footy focus offered me some seasonal work up there and they sell a heap of NRL and AFL gear. It's I wouldn't say 50-50, maybe 60-40 in favour of NRL. Yeah. But uh, they've got a, a strong Riverine Football League team up there and their rugby league. You know what's huge in Griffith and not so much here? They really revere the game of touch football. Yeah, right. Okay. They've got a, a playing arena there where sometimes I think they've got – 10 to maybe 15 games going at once wow. on a Wednesday night yeah. at Kalina Oval. Okay. And it's a beautiful playing surface they've got there. It's just – it was the old tip, I'm led to believe, where it goes down in tiers, so from top to bottom, and kids play it, families play it. And I'd never seen it. They wear their old touch footy shirts, like, oh, badges of honour. Yeah, right. And they Can't love their touch footy. No, touch footy is massive in Griffith. Is that because – you don't want to fall over and cut yourself on the old tip grass? No, no. Like I'm saying, it's a beautiful playing surface. It was once a tip. Okay. But to look at it, it's an oasis of green. They keep it uh, They keep it uh, beautifully manicured. And and I uh, actually Did had, you have a go? Did you get involved with that? No, I had a go at trying to put some Aussie Rules goalposts in there because I could see green grass. And I go, why haven't we at least got a set of goalposts? And that was one funny thing. One of the things I pushed on the radio, why isn't Griffith – Got any Aussie rules goalposts outside Exe's Oval? Yeah, and I even had Collingwood captain Nick Maxwell sign a letter for me that I <laughs> put on the Facebook page. And yeah, Griffith needs a set of you know set of goalposts where you can just go and have a kick. <laughs> and I had my eyes on Kalina Oval. I wanted some goal, but still to this day, there's none there. Oh, it's a big touch footy. Unsuccessful. Town, mate. Gotta, yeah, gotta remember that. Yeah. So let's just talk about you just brought up Nick Maxwell. I know that you mentioned that you did get to meet. I guess because you're solo hosting the show, I guess you had mm-hmm. to drive a lot of that content yourself. How were – let's talk about some of the celebrities that you got yep. to speak to, if there's any funny stories in there, obviously. Oh, i got some rippers, yeah. And how were those coming to you when you were in Griffith? Were you personally reaching out to organise all that? Was that coming from Yeah, the, the it group? was driven more so from myself. But yeah. every now and again – oh, well, not every now and again, every day you'd open up your email and you'd have press releases from all the record companies – and generally, the big celebrities never took the opportunity to talk to us in the bush. They'd leave it for one of the bigger ones and we'd replay or someone would record something to get thrown down the line to you. Yep. Here's a bone, play it, it's us. And I didn't like that. I, I liked ringing the number and asking for the opportunity. And generally, seven times out of ten, you get knocked on the head, but those three times, they'd go, oh, yeah, we can organise something for you. Yeah. 
celebrities, uh, I don't want to sound like a name dropper, but... Well, I asked the question, yeah, so go ahead. Over the years, uh, there was the Wiggles, got to hang out with the Wiggles. That was heaps of fun, had an afternoon with them. Can, can we just, before we talk, just mm. so people have some context... What was what type of music were you playing during your shift? Yeah, it was just contemporary, hot alternative. So was this like for the local, like maybe the Albury Wodonga contingent, because that's yeah. most of the people who listen at the moment. Was it more like Triple M back in the day, or more like B one hundred four point nine? Good question. I'm trying to think how to. Well, let's just say oh, at the time, in between the big hits. Yeah. I'll, I'll roll through some of the big hits. I was yeah. spinning on air or throwing out there. Early part was, and I like finding them on CD singles. At markets to trash a treasure, and I go, yeah, I'll buy that because that's what I first started on commercial radio with. The New Radicals, uh, Get What You Give. Yeah. Tal Backman, She's So High. I'm just trying to think of some of the others that were massive at the time. Oh, Smash Mouth. And I was lucky enough to see Smash Mouth only a couple of months ago here in Albury with uh, all their hits, All Star, uh, Can't Get Enough of Your Baby, yep. uh, so that, all those sort of – So that. That kind of era. Contemporary sort of, yeah, they were, and they were awesome songs. And when Shrek exploded, we're talking turn of the millennium, yeah. 2000, uh, then ACDC every now and again. And I, I remember Spiderbait. Here's something for you, Spiderbait. They were number one in the country with Black Betty. Yeah. And they were sizzling the charts with that. Can you believe I was not allowed to play Black Betty in Breakfast? Too loud, too raucous, you're not allowed to play it. The number one song in the country. Number one song in the country and they were in Griffith. They were in the town. They were in the town on a weekend. Wow. Wasn't allowed to play the song in full. I could play little grabs. No, you're not to play it during breakfast. Too loud, too raucous. Right, and so, that staggered me. I'd, yeah. Okay. Well, we don't want to relitigate the music taste <laughs> of radio because it's a bit off the mark quite often. But yeah, let me just think about that time frame of the biggest bands in the world. Were you allowed? Oasis? Were you allowed to play any Linkin Park songs in Breakfast? Uh, Numb, I think, got a run okay. an encore. Possibly, I think. So, yeah, but they were left more to those late night shows. Yeah. We're talking about the, well, well, at least oh, with hybrid theory, the biggest debut album of all time now. I think it might even be bigger than Appetite for Destruction. That's mm. how big that album was. Couldn't play them. No, too loud, too raw. What about Nickelback when that came out? Nickelback. I love Nickelback. Yeah, because that's how there's you nothing offensive. Me. There's nothing offensive in no. that song. Yeah. How you remind me and a funny story, Dad was, oh, you're playing a good song on the radio. Because he we'd have the same playlist of what was going on in Aubrey. Oh, you're playing a good song. Ah, da, da, yeah. I was saying, Dad, what is it? I said, I said, Dad, next time you hear the song, write down what time you heard it. Uh, he didn't do the voice for you? No, he, he just couldn't get the Chad Krager. <laughs> but he loved how you remind me. Oh, great song. Love it. But he couldn't tell me what it was called, how the song went. And I said, right, Dad, write down when you heard it and then I can go back on the logger, listen yeah. to it, and I'll try and work it out from there. Or I can look at the log, pull up the log. And it ended up being How You Remind Me by Nickelback. Yeah. Dad at uh, 60, old mid-60, loving Nickelback. Yeah, because I remember quite often at the time I would turn the radio on for the talk breaks and then turn it off because yeah. I was at uni around that time and I'd turn it off for all the music yeah. or down because it was just no good. But, so, uh, yeah, so we've covered off on the music. It's probably for people that are listening now and they're thinking that modern style of commercial radio, which is 
has been up until recently very pop, pure pop driven. Yeah, and I don't like it for that yeah, reason. It's you would have probably had a more expansive tonal yeah. palette to play with. Just you could there was obviously a certain point that mm. Black Betty or louder or heavier just was off yeah. the table for what you were doing. Yeah. So now that we've covered off on that, let's just let's just go for a small name drop, shall we? All right. <laughs> yeah, let's go for Wander in the Garden and Names. Yeah. Uh, I've struck up a really good friendship with Shannon Noel and it really irks me nowadays when you hear these breakfast announcers now. Shannon's been in the game for nearly 15 years, I think, yeah. all told, didn't he? Oh, g'day, Nolsey. How are you, mate? Cobber, digger, brown eye. Oh, good to have you on the road. You're doing so well for yourself. Hang on a tick. When was the last time you guys played a Shannon Noel track? Yeah, it'd be 10 years, I reckon. Nah, not even that. Yeah. And they're all matesy and schmaltzy with him, and I hear it all the time in interviews. But then I look at the network, whether it be HIT or whatever uh, Southern Cross or Stereo are now, Triple M, even Triple M. He, he's got a good earthy sound to him, Aussie rock sound. Guys, when was the last time you played any of his music? Yeah. Never. Never. He's ne- never lost. He was for a little bit logged when he was on Australian Idol, really, you know, kicking goals there. But funnily enough, Griffith never got Channel 10 while he was in Australian Idol. So, yeah. And so you, you were bringing some guy on promising. This is, exactly. the, this is the second most famous person on television besides the, moment, the guy that beat yeah, him. And exactly. they're all like, well, we don't care, mate. But the thing was we went wider than Griffith and this is where I've worked that relationship with Shannon is – I used to slip these songs in because I knew he was Aussie. I knew he was working hard. He was a local. And I'd go, not against the grain, but I'd just slip them in wherever I could. Shine, Drive, What About Me, yeah. uh, Lift, all those sort of songs. But little did I know, and I'm getting Twitter messages from his brother Damien, who was on the track there. Oh, good on you playing old mate's songs and, and things like that. So that's how I struck that relationship up. Long story short, long story short, Adam Thompson, Chocolate Starfish. He's become a, a great mate even to the point uh, where he helped me out with the Red Hot Summer Tour ticket when they were here only a couple of weeks ago. And he is fantastic. My boss come in and he goes, I don't know whether you've heard of this gentleman. He's uh, passing through town and he's helping out the local school here. And he, he, what he does is a music program where he helps the kids learn how to write music and then eventually uh, record it and then bring it into the, the radio side of things. I don't know whether you've heard of him. And he said, uh, he's just a bloke you may have heard of, Adam Thompson. Go, the bloke from Chocolate Starfish? Really? <laughs> Seriously? He goes, yeah, 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 he's coming in the studio. Have you heard of him? And I said, bloody oath, I used to go to the Termo and I was front row centre when Chocolate Starfish were rocking it in the early 90s. Yeah. And struck up a great relationship with Adam and he's never forgotten it, that I played whatever he brought into the studio I was happy to play it and Chocolate Starfish, I love them to death. I'm always front row centre whenever they're playing here in Albury or nearby and if I can get to a gig and Adam's been a good friend like that. Uh, one of those three out of the ten that I was telling you about that got back to me and said, yeah, I'll, I'll be, it was more like, yeah, man, oh, I'm happy to record an interview with you, was uh, Steve-O from Jackass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And you just made the call, you sent the email off and I thought, oh, Let's see if I can get him. Yeah. Threw it out there and spent five or ten, about seven or ten minutes talking to Steve-O from Jackass and on the phone naturally because he was in Sydney and I made the mistake of asking him uh, 
So you're in Australia, naturally you've got your wild boys and your jackass stuff that you're doing professionally. I asked the question, what do you do when you're in Australia and you're not, luckily I was recording this interview, when you're not being Steve-O, jackass or wild boys? Oh, man, we're just sitting around smoking weed and masturbating. <laughs> luckily, like I said, I uh, recorded that, that was interview. A, that was a pre-record, yeah. Knowing what I might encounter, and yeah. luckily that one never got to air, but it's yeah. on this podcast for you. Yeah, that's great. Peter Brock, The Wiggles. I'm trying to think who else has been through town in Griffith. So that would have been a – I'm just going off what I know about the modern versions of those stations – Mm. that have probably splintered more into really defined markets. Was it at a female-oriented station at that point or was it a more broad all-audiences station because it was one of the few commercials in that area? The bosses used to like to say that Star FM is a single girl, if you were a person, is a single girl, 25 to 28 years old, uh, spends money on going out, uh, likes to be trendy, yeah. Uh, in the click, it was one of those stations where Triple M is your bloke's got the ute, you got the keys, you're going to go out, you're going to listen to the footy, he's going to have a beer, yeah. and or 2RG back in the day was. But it was predominantly 2RG when I first got there was a, a farming station. Like We okay. used to record on reel to reel. I asked you, Josh, do you know how to load a Revox? No. A reel-to-reel. I'm aware of the technology, but I have yeah, no idea how to do that. It's not technology. Okay. It's uh, <laughs> untechnology. Whatever the opposite of that is. We used to record farming reports on targeted agriculture, everything on reel-to-reel and had to play during lunch. And Mr Gamble, who's uh, – and I call him Mr Gamble because John Laws called him Mr Gamble on air one day. And I said, oh, better call him Mr Gamble. Used to go in the toilet after him. You'd find he'd wiped his butt with $50 notes. This man was – very rich for a wealthy man, owned radio stations. And to me, he was just a, an older gentleman over the hallway and he never really said a lot to me until I switched over to 2RG uh, later in the game. And he said, oh, look, I know you've come from FM, uh, old mate, but uh, do you think you give the time and temperature a little bit more? Yeah, okay. And make sure the finance report goes in every lunchtime because I could see at my 2RG studio, I could see straight across into his office and he was, he was – and so with what he said, and obviously he's Mr. Gamble, I wrote a, a bit bigger than a couple of post-it notes in big black and red letters, time and temperature, so I never, ever forgot. Yeah. So I improved that for him. So when did you move to doing that? How far through your run up there was that? Eight years after being on Star FM solo without any help at all, without any real air checking. When you say air checking for people that are listening, that's basically having your superiors mm. tell you what's working and what's not. Exactly. Without any guidance, it was all left to my own devices. Like I said earlier, I How was How do you sort find the energy to keep doing that? It is. It's tough. It's tough. Um, the alarm I would have thought, for the lack of a better term, you're meant to be able to trust that feedback you're getting from an air check. And after that amount of time, any feedback you just have to use as energy, whether it's positive or negative, Exactly, and generally people so we, come up to were me. Were you ready for a change? Were you looking for a change? Not really. I was sort of settled in where I was, but you say you ask where does the energy come from, it comes from people coming up to you in the street and I'm off air, um, my brain's clicked out of gear because when you're on air you're consistently thinking what's next, what's next, You've got to keep the everything to time and everything. And it is a mentally taxing thing to do a breakfast show. A lot of people don't realise till they actually get in there 
and go, oh, mate, you know, you're waiting on clients to call or you're waiting for this to happen or that to happen or you've got to be, as I said, Chucky told me, Jamie Chalks, be five steps ahead of the play. And you go home and when I was married, I, I'd say to Beck, my wife at the time, I'd say, oh, look, I'm just not in the mood to talk. I'd get home, I'd been talking all day and I, I've been chasing people or recording staff or whatever because I used to record ads for TV, voiceovers, because they had some sort of weird relationship within television. I was told, leave it at that, don't ask questions. Just do it. I'd do 10 of those, brecky shift in the morning, then I'd record other stuff for interviews like the Steve-O interview and I'd get home about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'd have a bit of a kip and, yeah, you, you relied on your love of the game. It was Michael Jordan has a fascination with basketball yeah, and I had a similar fascination with the the love of radio. So you get up and you do it, and people will pull you up in the street the next day. Oh, what you said about such and such was funny, or yeah. you took the piss out of Starry or Gracie or whoever. And I'd totally forgotten it. I'm like I said, my brain's clicked <laughs> out of gear, and it might have been only a couple of hours ago. Yeah. But all I'm looking for is a feed and a cold drink, just sort of soothe the voice and yeah. And move forward for the day. So let's maybe bring all those lessons from those that decade or more of just intense learning. Yep. Let's bring that forward to now where besides the, the day job, what you're doing away from that, yep. you're calling football, which I think that's really intriguing how you're doing that. And also for the last four now going into your fifth season. Yeah. You're the I'm pretty sure that's right. You've been the bandits live game announcer. Yeah. And firing that room up, which when it cools down a little bit by about the start of June can sometimes be a pretty cold affair. That's right. I mean, I know because I, I spent six years volunteering and I think three and a half years That's where we on, first met. On, the, on the board of the club mm. and I just had to take a year off this year. I was exhausted and I didn't get to watch much of the basketball. That's right. So if nothing else, I've always been, besides the pressure that's on you is exponentially more than most of the people there that are quote unquote volunteering, mm. but you get to watch the game. I got the best seat in yeah. the house. So you said that before. Tell me about what it's like when Siebel now NBL one basketball is at its best. You talked about a great moment earlier, which wasn't particularly fantastic for you personally at that second. But mm. Darcy Harding hits a, hits a shot to beat our hated rival Geelong. Yep. Although you wouldn't meet a better bunch of people if you actually off court than the guys from Geelong. Yeah. They're actually a really good club to and get I've on. I've struck up a great yeah. working relationship with Wes Cusworth from yeah. Geelong, the court the, announcer there. I think that they have the same little bit of rebel in them that we do yeah. as a club. Exactly. Uh, he hits a three on the buzzer and the place just hits hits Beaver a level pitch. that most, if not no other local sport hits. So what are those moments like for you? Do you? How do you not get lost in being a fan of the players in the club and these great moments and still hold your nerve when you're making the calls? Listen closely. Sometimes I do. <laughs> And I lose track of what words I'm saying. I've got this mentality, and it's a little trick. It's like look, see, talk. Yeah. I look, I see, I talk. So let's just say this room. There's a computer monitor there, a couple of switches over there. There's a laptop bag. Then you've got a couple of photos scattered around. So what I did there, I went from there to there and told you in commentary form what I look, see, talk. And I didn't stop to think. Yeah. And... And sometimes some of the craziest things come out. Deborah George, I don't know whether you remember the time he got up and the errant alley-oop pass, it just went – and I've got the photo on my fridge because I don't have kids. 
So the next best thing I've you got, got Deborah is on my your bandits. Fridge. Yeah, <laughs> and last name George. He's a brother. Yeah, that's let's it. face it. Yeah, and Deborah's gotten up. Uh, do you remember this? It was the the photo in one of the programs where he's up like this, and he's guaranteed three foot above the rim. Those rims are ten feet high. Yeah, he is. Hey? And his hand would have been three foot above the hoop, and then somehow he slammed it home. Yeah, and. Just out of my mouth, look, see, talk like I just did a couple of seconds ago. Deborah George with flubber in his shoes because that's what it looked like. It looked like he had flubber in his shoes, so I haven't even thought about that line. Yeah. From out of nowhere, you know, and generally I don't know whether the crowd's listening to me at the time. Some people have come back and said, oh, that was funny or whatever you've come up with because it's a live situation. And you've got to – I think a lot of people when you're doing that kind of job – they want to hear something Creative. fresh and new every single time yeah. you open your mouth and you've got to think, well, there's a chance with sponsors in the house, with obligations, with the going out on the, you, the live exactly. stream. It's been live streamed to the NBL actual official page now. And that sort of relaxes my job to a point now because they've got a commentator, Steve Murphy. You don't have to do any play-by-play. No, no. I used to have to do that because Brad, the camera operator, he'd only go left and right and occasionally up the scoreboard. So I would always say on the mic because I knew the audio would eventually be picked up by the microphone on the camera yeah. to go on the live stream, bandits by five, uh, bandits down by six or whatever the case might be. Yeah. So I knew and I was sort of feeding those lines turnover because sometimes when those amateur cameras, it's nothing against Brad or the setup they had. Well, half the time I probably was doing it. And I yeah, was, that's I was, the other thing. I wasn't real good at it either. And Brad, you, Brad was far better than me. It was probably me when you're thinking about the real Exactly. Thing. You just look, see, talk, look, see, talk. And that's what I find with sports commentary is look, see, talk, you know, and make the most of what you see. Translate it and try and get the, the, the emotion, the – the colour of what's happening, a theatre of the mind for somebody who can't see what's going on, especially on radio, theatre of the mind, set it up, sell the sizzle, not a sausage. Yeah. You want to be able to taste that sausage and you don't want to be told, oh, it's a pink, wet bag of meat, yeah. which is essentially what it is, but you go, oh, delicious. This one is melting in the mouth. It's got the hint of a spice and pepper and just with a bit of tomato sauce. You want to go down to Bunnings now, don't you? I do, actually. <laughs> I always want to go there, though. Sell the sizzle, not the sausage. Yeah, definitely. And that's what it's all about and out for you. That's a good way to finish up the bandits talk. <laughs> so just with NITV, yep. this is really fascinating. Can you just describe what it is, where people can find it, and what your involvement is, and we'll finish up with yeah, that. Yeah, good question. Uh, look, Josh, it's a channel that a lot of people aren't aware of. A lot of, don't ask me why, a lot of televisions, when you're scanning through the channels going, you know, through Prime and all the big networks, for whatever reason, it'll skip over channel 34. You literally have to hit 3-4 on your remote to find it. It'll go through those SBS radio channels and everything like that, but then it'll jump from those radio channels up to, I think, Prime Television without even seeing channel 34 there or the Indigenous channels. And it's the National Indigenous Broadcaster and Rumbalara Footy Club in Shepparton signed a deal with them to broadcast their games uh, of a weekend and straight after the Mangrook Footy Show, which now that the uh, demise of the AFL Channel 9 Footy Show has gone down the gurgler and the front bars slaughtering them in ratings and things like that, 
the Mungrook Footy Show for football rather than comedy or light entertainment. The Mungrook Footy Show for footy coverage has really jumped up there as the best footy show in Australia at the moment because they do, they talk footy. They're not about tricking footballers into thinking Shane Crawford's dressed up as an old man. Yeah. They're about talking about why Collingwood didn't win against West Coast the week before and they've got to play the Western Bulldogs this week, why and where and how they're going to win that game. So they're right across the footy. Uh, They've got, I think, a fair bit of coverage on the Mungrel Footy Show. So that's the Indigenous um, Aboriginal channel. And if you were to flick it on now, there'd be programs about their culture, their music, and NITV is just a great outlet for anyone to tune in. Anyone. They have Maori programs as well. Okay. They yeah. take from New Zealand. And uh, I quite often, sometimes I have it a really good movie like that. It sounds Rocky really fascinating. And yeah. I think, and it's, I hope this doesn't come across as a massive cop out, but I think the simple fact that, like, I work in a, my role in my day job. Mm where part of my role is to oversee the functioning of probably close to 100, 100 televisions. It's just one little part of my job. And I don't think I've ever re-scanned and had that channel come up. Exactly. Which is just not really acceptable, no. really. And I'm not sure maybe they're just not paying enough to have enough strong enough signal, but I'm assuming you can... No, the signal's there. You'll yeah. get a clear signal. It's just for whatever... I think it's in the manufacture of yeah, the Yeah, they're just not aware of the station, clearly. It's just, yeah. yeah, not picking up or in their channel count or whatever it does. I don't know. I'm not yeah, but a tech head like that. You'd think an auto, an auto... But I'm going to... I'll, I'll definitely go around and fix a few of them up yeah. now that I know that it's available everywhere. yeah. So. And I'll tell people, oh, I'm on NIT. Yeah, where's that? I said, it's on TV, Channel 34. And they'll throw me in my games. It's called Heartland Footy because they'll they'll play us uh, out of Rumbelara Shepparton and then they might play a game from Northern Territory or uh, they were playing a lot of Canberra Demons games in the NEFL, the Northeastern Australian Football League. Uh, who else got a run? The GWS Giants uh, NEFL team got a run. And they're scattered. And the thing is, and it really ticks me <laughs> off in one way, is I'll be in Shepparton, Central Victoria, middle of winter, freezing cold. I've got the jacket on. I've got the mittens on. I've got the gloves. And I'm holding a microphone trying to call the footy in the freezing cold and the sleet and rain. And the game straight after mine, if I catch it on TV, is one from the beautiful tropics up north in the Northern Territory. They're playing games in bare feet and the sun's shining and a dog runs out onto the ground. It's just great footy. Yeah, okay. It's awesome. awesome. And NITV have given me an opportunity through Wes Cusworth, who was on uh, Wind Sport here. Wes, just to remind people if you didn't catch, I know we've named a lot of people. That's mm. the court announcer for the Geelong, Geelong Basketball Super Club. Supercats. We yep. struck up a relationship. He could see I was very attentive. To, once again, my attention to detail and attentive with the bandits and He'd uh, obviously heard me on OKFM when I was there for a short time and he obviously knew I had the the click, I could do it. And he threw the bone and initially last year we only did Rumbelara home games and every final they were involved with. Rumbelara last year were a team that uh, were pretty much like Collingwood. They weren't supposed to get as far as what they did. They got to a prelim final last year against Nathalia, Nathalia the Perps, the Purples, and Nathalia are the September specialist when it comes to Aussie Rules footy in the Murray League. Uh, they've won the last four premierships, going for five this year. And Rumbelara had them on the ropes up to half time. 
And I'm saying into the microphone, there's no way Nathalia can come back from this. They're the September specialists. The Purples have got no chance here. Rumbalara have booked their place. Start the bus. We're going to be uh, in the grand final for Rumbalara. And then that's where it stopped. Half time. No, that's no Rumbalara <laughs> overrun in the second half. Uh, Nathalia hadn't kicked a score. I think they might have got just a point behind right up to half time. Then after half time, it was some, someone spiked their Gatorade and they come out all guns blazing and straight into the grand final. Wow. And they cleaned up Baruga in last year's grand final, shut down an ex-AFL, VFL star in Cameron Cloak. They made him frustrated. He didn't want to be there. And were you calling that game? Oh, oh, yeah, I got to call the grand final. Yeah, definitely. Call me back for the grand final. That's awesome. And, yeah, so essentially, and they only just replayed that grand final a couple of weeks ago on NITV. So those games will pop up late at night and uh, Saturday afternoon and Sundays, but a lot of footy fans would be at their own footy or at the AFL. So it sort of competes with that sort of thing. But NITV, I love doing it. I take a lot of pride in it. I had the local Shepherd and News footy guide posted over to me just so I had an idea, uh, a crux of who's doing what, who's where, and that publication leaves anything I've ever seen for dead. It was awesome. at Murray League, the Pecola League, uh, all the other little surrounding leagues, and they had all the draws and all the stats, everything I needed to know, and I sat there Saturday morning and soaked it all in, jumped in the car, took off over to see uh, Rumbler get beaten by Gupner at the weekend. Sounds great. There you go. That's amazing, and I'll definitely make sure I give all that a plug in the notes for this episode. Yeah. So just to finish up, let's yep. talk about buses for a sec. And let's wind, wind this up with another Geelong Bandits yeah. versus story. Do you remember when we left Geelong, we were getting the biggest stink eye walking out of that stadium. There was only about 20 of us. And I was doing the f- band. Yeah, I don't think you made any friends that night. <laughs> ah, not in Geelong, and that's me being and playful. We, that's fl- who we I got am. to the bus, people were flipping us off, saying, get out, just go, because they were all pretty devastated yeah. that we beat them in the last second. Yep. I say we like I was on the court. I felt like I was. <laughs> I felt like I was in it. But that's the emotion. That's what I yeah. spoke about earlier. Yeah. Then our bus driver reversed into the side of their stadium. Bang. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> we just left. Yeah. Just bang. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Yeah, that and was then, f- yeah. bloody fantastic. And there's people bang. yelling at us and someone from the stadium. Come. Wall. They had a big white colour wall and I'm sure it left a, yeah. a huge <laughs> bang in the side of the building. We, a, we left a dent in their hearts and a dent in their wall, mate. Definitely. It was a great night. I had an awesome night that night. and yeah, It was a ripper. That's what I love. It's sport. It's friends. It's a bit of competitive you know, nature. It's everything rolled into one. That's what I, who I am. So... If anyone wants to reach out and maybe ask you more about what they've heard today or just say hello or say, hey, we heard you on Punching Sideways, how can people reach out to you? Do you have a Twitter account? Best way is uh, Facebook. Facebook, yeah. And I have got a Brad George Professional MC. Yeah, I'll link that one up. Compare page. Yeah. And I haven't put anything on it for ages because I've been concentrating on my day job. Yeah, which is important. And learning and uh, then I get home, fall in a heap, I watch Married at First Sight and I'm out. Yeah. And then back to do it all again the next day. And, yeah, so just look up Brad George, professional court announcer, MC compare, and I'm happy to answer any questions there. If anyone wants to know how to get into radio, maybe a program to use. I've got a great program for court announcing if you're interested in all that. Uh, Modern-day radio, my thoughts on it. There's plenty of those still. And yep. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Excellent. Well, hopefully we can get you back and we can – talk about some other haven't we parts. covered off on it already yeah just maybe we can talk about <laughs> that's just been great we lost track of time i think yeah. what have we been going nearly we're, an hour and a half yeah i think we're over that now so that's awesome 
Yeah, that's a that's a one of the quicker hour and a half I've ever done on the mic. So yeah. thank you, sir. Not a problem. Happy to reach out for anyone. And yeah, I've got a story to tell, and so is everyone else. And it's good to have a listen to how people got to be where they are. That's why my bookshelf is full of autobiographies. Learn from the best and turn it into your own. Righto, so punchingsideways.com for this episode, all the show notes for the episode and past guests. And if you were really, if you were at all interested in the radio segments or portions of today's episode, go back one or two episodes, depending on when I put this out, and check out Paul Connick, who's a 56-year brilliant radio veteran. That and man, he's well, forgotten more than what we'll ever know. Yeah, I mean, you've got a fantastic voice on the mic, but when mm. he started speaking... I thought my head was going to get squashed. Yeah. <laughs> and he's talking into it just a little handheld Sennheiser. Gary Mack is the same. He's unbelievable. <laughs> look up Gary Mack on YouTube and have yeah, a look at his I'll link uh, voice up, demo. I'll try and find him and I'll put some links for Gary he's Mack in there. The too. voice demos, this is Jarrah, Budding's Jarrah. And because he's got the best of microphones and yeah. that red wine voice, you know, yeah. it's just, oh, sounds so good. We might get on the red wine next time you're in, mate. Well, <laughs> thank you, punchingsideways.com, and thank you for listening and share it with a friend that you think – might want to hear a podcast about the Riverina and the northern parts of Victoria. Righto, catch you later.